Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Friends, turn in your Bibles or, or turn on your Bibles. And however the Word of God, uh, you regularly interact with the Word of God, I, I encourage you to bring that to church, to, to have that in front of you. We're, we're walking through every verse of Ephesians this summer, and today we've got a fairly big chunk of the book of Ephesians to read together, and it's always easier with the Word of God in front of you. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you, and as we turn to Ephesians 4, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's our prayer that we would... Uh, at any age and stage, that we would never find ourselves alone, isolated. And most of all, Lord, that we would never find ourselves looking over these words on the page as though they are a dead letter of some past moment. So, Lord, open our hearts to hear from you and to hear your living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians four seventeen to 32, hear the word of the Lord. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, me to we, looking at new life. Uh, my brother Rob, my older brother Rob, is a, a pillar of his church, and he is um, he's a, an absolute strength in his community down in southern Colorado. He's a reliable leader and a financial advisor, giving excellent advice as people seek his advice. When my brother Rob was a teenager, long ago, 
Uh, he went through a different kind of stage. He went through a, a rock and roll kind of stage. It was kind of a Ozzy Osbourne, heavy metal, ACDC kind of thing. And, uh, and during that whole period, Rob, my brother Rob, he wore this black leather jacket. It was this big, heavy, jet black leather jacket with chains on it and zippers and studs. And, and uh, you know, he wore it everywhere he went. To the point where I kind of thought that jacket, it had an air about it. It had its own kind of life. I wondered if that jacket was possessed, you know? Like, man, if I could get that jacket, take it out back and burn it, maybe we wouldn't be listening to so much Ozzy Osbourne all the time. Well, I didn't have a, uh, a leather jacket. I had a, an acid wash oversized jean jacket to make me cool which, as you can see, didn't work. <laughs> Should have gone with a leather jacket. But, but my brother Rob, as the Lord moved into his life and redeemed and restored and altered things and, and poured new life into him, do you know what happened? The jacket just went away. What do you need to put down to take up the new life that Christ has for you? What do you need to take off and walk away from in order to put on the life that Jesus has prepared for you? What are you, what are you breaking away from in your life right now? What comes to mind that you're walking away from right now that's clinging so tightly to you, you think you'll never be free of it, you could never be rid of it? Listen now. Jesus is done with that. And you are done with that. Put down the old and take up the new. We're walking through every verse of Ephesians together and we're looking in this letter at how God is teaching us to move from me, where a life that's just all around me and I'm the center of my own universe, to we, being the church together. And all the glory and all the benefit of being the body of Christ. We've learned how God is in control in ways that are beyond our understanding. How Christ is our head and we are his body. Joined together by his power to destroy every division. We've heard how the grace of God brings us out of death and into life. How the spirit of Christ equips the church for its mission. And now, now comes the question... A question that we kind of raised last week, we started to raise last week as Paul challenged the church to have their, their character come up to their calling. We're challenged by the question, are you going to live this new life in Christ or, or are you gonna leave it to rot on the vine? See, you have been named righteous by your faith in Jesus Christ. You have been adopted into God's household. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Ephesians 2.6 says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Past tense, this has all been done. It's all yours. It's your possession. You are saved. You are named a child of God and guaranteed eternal life. Are you going to live like that? Are you going to live like that? What do you need to put off and put down to take up new life in Christ? 
Verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now he's talking to Gentiles here, remember. He's talking to Jews and Gentiles all together. He's saying you can't live like that any longer in the futility of their thinking. There's a life you once lived that you cannot live anymore. There's a way that you once thought that you can't, you can't think that way anymore. He says, I must insist in the Lord. He says, let me give you a push. You've got to put down the old and pick up the new. Put away that old way of life you once knew and leave behind that worthless way of thinking. And then he goes on and says, look how worthless and look how useless and, and painful it is. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Futile thinking, darkened understanding, separated from the life of God, hardened of heart. Hardened of, with hard heart. Now that's not something God did to them. It's the result of their own sin and disobedience. The Puritans used to say, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. God just sheds his light. He sheds his sun, the warmth of his love over us. And if we would turn into that love, if we would, if we would walk toward what light we have from God, then maybe our hearts would soften. Our hearts would be softened toward him. But when we turn away from God, and our hearts get hardened and, and calloused. Look at verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. This is a powerful verse, isn't it? And it's sad. It should make us it should make us sad. What it's saying is it's possible for someone to lose sensitivity. To be so lost, to be so far from God that they, can't, they don't even know how lost they are. You can grow numb. You can, you can lose sensitivity to God. Drug addicts, they talk about how quickly uh, the, the cycle goes into self-destruction. How at first uh, I took the drug and it gave me a great feeling, a great buzz, a great high. And then I had to take a little bit more, you know to get that same feeling. And then I had to take a little bit more and a little bit more because my body got used to it. I, got used, I, I lost my sensitivity to it and so I had to take more and more of that drug to get that same chemical feeling and the more I took, the more damage was being done to my body and the deeper the addiction was getting rooted in my body and, and the closer I was to an absolute overdose. Friends, it's not just drugs that work this way. You know, your soul can get addicted to almost anything just in that same way. At first it was a thrill. At first it gave me a good feeling, but then I needed more. Then I needed more and more. An ever-increasing desire with ever-diminishing returns. And before you know it, I was trapped and I was living with or managing, trying to manage an aching hunger inside that never seemed to be satisfied. 
You're eaten up with the hunger. You're eaten up with greed, it says, full of greed. Think of that. That's not just money that it's talking about. Full of greed. It actually, it actually kind of doesn't make sense. How can I be full of greed? It's saying I'm, I was full, I was filled up with emptiness. I was just permeated with a, a desire that couldn't be satisfied. What was I full of? I wasn't full of anything. I was full of an empty and aching void. And I was reaching everywhere to try to, try to fill it up. An unquenchable thirst, an unsatisfiable appetite, living with impossible demands from within me. Last month, we all watched and prayed as, as teams of experts uh, tried to get to where they could rescue 12 Thai little boys, soccer players, and their coach who had gotten themselves trapped in a flooded cave system in Thailand. And sadly, one rescuer gave his life to rescue these 12 and their one leader. They were in that cave. They were, they were in the dark for nine days. And did anybody see this video? when the, the British uh, rescuer pops up out of the water and you can actually watch how he starts to interact with these children. They see light after nine days and one of the very first questions that the boys asked him was, what day is it? See, they were so lost, they were so uh, separated in the darkness for nine days that they lost all sense of day and night. They couldn't even tell whether it was day or night or how many days had passed. What day is it? Friends, that's a a physical, that's a material illustration of what Paul is saying can happen to you spiritually. That you can get so disoriented, so far from God, so calloused, and you can lose so much sensitivity that you, you don't even know up from down. You don't even know day from night. You're lost, and you don't even know how, how lost you are in such a, a mental fog that you can't see God's divine light. And we know how it happens. Something that used to prick our conscience, you know, when we first were exposed to it, now seems normal, commonplace. You say, oh, I'm just used to that, I guess. Stuff that we used to see on on television or movies or video games that used to kind of knock us over. Can't believe that. Well, now I'm used to it. I'm, I'm accustomed to it. And the producers, they have to come up with more and more levels of, of shock just to get our attention. Listen, any time we set our hearts on unsatisfying things, we get sucked into this soul vortex that I'm describing and that Ephesians is describing. A kind of a black hole of deep gravity where no light can escape and and we're just sort of circling around ever closer, ever closer toward the edge of the abyss. That, however, is not the way of life You learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
All that, all that we've seen and named, all that is clearly spelled out here for the Ephesians, that is not what you learned in Christ. That's not what you were taught when you were in him. Now look at this very carefully. Listen carefully now. It isn't just that you learned about Christ. It isn't just that you heard something of Christ. It's that you learned in Jesus Christ. And when you were in him, something changed. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, it means that you don't just think about what Christ has done. You don't just know about what Christ has done, but you believe and trust and put your hope, and in fact, you bet your life on what Christ has done for you, and then you are in Christ. You are in him. You are in a supernatural union with Jesus Christ. You're not just a a follower of, you're not just a student to, you are in in Christ. God sent his son and Jesus died to bring us home from where we were stuck, from where we were lost. God sent his son to give his life to carry us out of that place and into his light. And now when you are in Christ, when your life is in Christ, it is totally different from this desperate search to fill the void. You think of those tie boys one of those little Thai boys, they, he couldn't swim. And so he had to wrap his arms around the rescuer who, who did the swimming for him and pulled him through this dark water and in, under the darkness, under these caverns and caves to pull him out. Friends, you've got, to, you've got to grasp Jesus. You've got to wrap your arms around Jesus and let him pull you. And when you are in Christ, well, you learn something. Coming to Jesus is not tossing your soul into this vortex of ever-increasing hunger and ever-decreasing satisfaction. Jesus is that which satisfies. Jesus is the Lord and author of life. Jesus is the end of the search. Jesus is actually worth your praise and adoration. He's worth the the glory that you give him and the worship that you offer. And he is able to keep your life and to keep a grip on you and to pull you home in his mighty hands. When once your heart is set upon Jesus, friends, no more of this, this desperate hunger and searching, you have found life. This is what Blaise Pascal meant when he said there's a God-shaped hole in every heart. This is what St. Augustine meant when he prayed, uh, he prayed this prayer, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Jesus satisfies the void. He fills you. He doesn't just stop the hunger, he fills, he fills. He puts his Holy Spirit within you. Look at this from John 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Can you imagine how bold a proclamation? Anybody within the sound of my voice, if you're thirsty, you come to me and drink. And then he goes on, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus means the spirit there. Coming to Jesus with your thirst means 
finally being satisfied. No more of the desperate void. That's what you learned when you were in Christ. That's what you learned when you came to Jesus. You learned that when you finally get home to Jesus Christ, the void ends, the fullness begins to come, eternal life begins. And that, by the way, is how the whole rest of the passage makes any sense at all. That that an empty heart, a thirsty heart, can actually become a fountain of love. That a thief whose only, you know, ability to to move and work in the world was to take things, a thief can become a supply and a resource of those in need. The only way that happens is when a heart rests in Christ and is filled with his Holy Spirit and the void ends and the search is over and life has been found. Hallelujah. 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 You know the fullness of the Spirit within you. Isaiah 41, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. You see. Now, Now that you have found Christ the answer, now that that the aching void has become an internal fountain of new life, now that the place of thirst has become an ever-flowing source of living water, now, now, will you live like it? Or will you fall back into old patterns and run back to old empty broken cisterns, broken places of thirst and need. Now, what will you put down to take up new life in Christ? I want to emphasize this point, friends. The rest of what I say, the rest of what you're going to hear from Ephesians in the next few weeks, I want you to understand this now. This is for believers. This is for followers of Christ There is no faster way to be totally crushed and dejected than to try to live the Christian life without the life of Christ within you. If you're searching, if you're looking to fill, you know, if you're trying to find Jesus, you're not in Christ, what I want to explain to you very clearly is you will not have the power to experience the kind of transformation on offer here in this passage. You cannot, by mere force of will, transform the void in your heart to become a living spring of water. Only only God can do that. But if you are in Christ, then your call is to put down the old and to take up the new. What do you need to put down to take up new life in Christ? Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When you found Jesus, when you find Jesus, the answer to your questions and the satisfaction to your deepest thirst, when you found Jesus, what were you taught, it's asking? What were you taught? What did you learn? Well, you were taught 
By that experience, by finding Jesus, you were taught that the old ways are not going to get you where your soul needs to go. You were taught by finding Jesus that your old pursuits and old efforts to quench the thirst or to fill the void, you you were taught, you saw immediately that those are no good. They're no good. They're not gonna do the job. You were taught and you immediately knew that you need to put off your old self, which when when your deceitful desires were were running the show was getting corrupted and and ruined and, and corroded by the whole process. You were taught in meeting Jesus that it was time to put off the old self and to pick up the new life that Jesus has for you. Well, what are we gonna put off? Friends, I hope your Bibles are open in front of you. I'm gonna run through a whole bunch of stuff that's listed here. And again, this is for those who are in Christ. What are we going to put off? What are we gonna walk away from? We're gonna walk away from ignorance in verse 18. We're gonna walk away from impure self-indulgence in verse 19. Mercifully for all of us, I don't have time to talk about any of these much. (laughs) But I I know you've got them in mind. You know exactly, you know. We're gonna drop falsehood and lying in verse 25. We're gonna drop resentment and anger. We're gonna resolve anger within the day. We're not gonna let it fester. We're not gonna give the devil that kind of leverage in our lives to steal and to kill and to destroy, which is his only desire. We're going to, you know, we're going to resolve anger in the day. We're gonna to come to, to peace with one another. And we don't force ourselves to change these things in some effort to be morally superior or to win the love and the favor of God. God has already bestowed on us his love and favor. It's proven in his son, Jesus Christ. But we put these things away, we take them off and leave them behind because we've learned they're no good. They're just no good. So what are we gonna put on? Having taken that off, Having left that behind, what are we going to take up? Well, we drop those old things and we take up, look at verse 24, godliness, true righteousness and holiness. God pours these things into our life. Truthfulness in verse 25. Productive work and and human dignity in verse 28. Edifying talk, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and mercy. These things, they don't corrode our souls. They don't agitate and increase the aching hunger within us. They fill. They start to fill us up and they feed and nurture our souls to become what we were genuinely made to be, created in the image of God. But it doesn't happen instantly. It's a process. I had a friend come to Christ a few years ago, my former church, and, and he was touched very powerfully by the Spirit of God. Gave his life to Christ, his wife gave his life to Christ, the whole family was baptized all together. Fathers, you know, uh, mother, two boys. And soon they felt called by God to, to extend the circle of their family and they adopted a beautiful girl from, from China. And, and, uh, and about a year and a half into this transformation, this friend of mine came up to me at a men's retreat and he said, Tim, I'm so, I'm so happy to be at home with the Lord. My life is entirely different than it was. The things that I want, the things that I pursue, entirely different. But I'm worried I'm doing something wrong. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, after all this time, a year and a half, 
He said, I still sin. Yep. I said, me too. It's a process. It's a process. See, salvation, when you put your faith in Christ, salvation, it happens like that. You are claimed. You are known. You are redeemed. You are justified. You have been saved by grace through faith. And that can never be taken away, but this holiness stuff, it's a process. In fact, this holiness, uh, this is a process that happens bit by bit, day by day, as we are slowly transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Becoming who God made you to be, listen, that's a lifetime project. And then some. And on we go. But I said to him, and I say to you now, the difference is that in those days you sinned and you had no thought about it. But in these days, the Holy Spirit is within you. And every time you you do something wrong, you know about it. You're not just lost, bumbling along in the spiritual darkness of your sin and your mistakes and your errors. The Holy Spirit of God is within you. And when you, when you sin, when you go off the wrong direction, well, the Holy Spirit, he says, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit within you. We know what that looks like. The Holy Spirit implanted within you by your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit within you, when you sin and when you veer off, he just kind of does this. Ah, oh, Tim, no, don't do that again. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But that grief, that conviction is a gift that you don't wander long and linger long in sin and error. You're guided home. You're ever pulled into who you were made to be in the image of God in true holiness and righteousness and peace. So friends, I close with this. No more holding on to unsatisfying patterns of life. God puts his Holy Spirit in you and when you put your faith in his son Jesus, the hunger and the void, they stop driving you. They stop driving you with deceitful desires and desperately chasing false things. But it takes a while to fill all the cracks and crevices of your life for the Holy Spirit to to turn that void into a fountain of life to overflow. Think of that uh, cave system in Thailand. Think of how long it would take to fill that whole cave system up with beautiful and clean and clear water and to wash and cleanse everything out. Our souls are a little bit like that. And just when we think, oh, I think we're there, I think we're done, well, the Holy Spirit finds this whole new system (laughs) of caverns and caves that, that need to be poured into and need the light of God, the cleansing power of his spirit. It takes time. But listen, God will never give up on you. He's not going to stop. He's claimed you as his own. You are a daughter of the king. You are a child of God welcomed into his household of faith. He's adopted you and named you as his child, and he will never stop pouring his Holy Spirit in you to transform your life from a place of void and hunger and dissatisfaction to a place of life and resource and blessing, even not only for yourself, but for those around you. He will never give up on you. And he's not washing you off to make you worthy. He's not cleaning you up to get you into church. He's claimed you as his own. And he's taking away the sin that creeps in 
and, and robs you of life and he's filling you up. He's filling you up, bless you, with new life in Christ. New life. And we might cry a little bit <laughs> as the Spirit of God works in us, but that's a blessing. New life in Christ, filling us up and making us whole. Let's pray. Lord, help us now to put down the old and worthless things and to pick up what is new. The things that are so comfortable that we've worn for so long, the behaviors and attitudes of our hearts, the habits that we have pursued to give us comfort and peace, Lord, that are actually corrupting our souls. Help us today to put them down, to trust again that we can take them off and put on new life in you, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. It's in your name we pray and the people say together, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.